and welcome to Inspiring Women Leaders, the podcast about leadership by women only, from which everyone can learn. Inspiring Women Leaders aims to showcase the extensive leadership knowledge and practical skills of its incredible guests, and to both inspire and educate its listeners, helping them acquire the know-how necessary to become better leaders themselves. Without further ado, I'd now like to welcome my guest. So please, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Today, I'm really excited to welcome to the show my friend, general surgeon, founder of her own private clinic, podcaster and thought leader, as I told her earlier, Dr. Amy Vertries. Dr. Vertries is a general surgeon and certified coach. She's an army veteran and was deployed three times to Afghanistan and Iraq. She is the founder of the Boss Business of Surgery series, which includes a popular podcast and coaching program where she's teaching the lessons not taught in residency. Dr. Vetries realized that medical school and residency helped her become a great technical surgeon, but she soon realized there were several career aspects that residency did not cover. She trained in the military, and once her commitment was up, she realized she had no idea how to find a job, negotiate a contract, code notes or cases, etc. She created the Boss Business of Surgery series as a way to address these topics, because if she needed to know it, others probably needed to know it too. Over time, she realized that even more topics were necessary dealing with a difficult partner, managing thoughts about complications, realizing that everything's a negotiation, and learning how to manage a successful clinic were topics also not covered in residency. The Boss series was her answer to these problems. She's used all of the strategies she teaches in her own career, which allowed her to open and run a successful private practice as a general surgeon. She has a coaching program and successful podcast where she shares these lessons. What an incredible mission. And I think it's fair to say that Amy is leading the way with inspiration. So without further ado, let's meet Dr. Amy Vertries. Welcome to the show, Amy. Thank you so much oh. for agreeing to come on and speak to the show's audience. Oh, th- thanks, Dr. Harrison. I mean, I want you to, uh, I want to hire you as my personal uh, relation or public relations consultant. And I want <laughs> you to follow wherever I go and announce my presence. This is fantastic. <laughs> I will also roll out a red carpet for you because I think that is deserved as well. Um, <laughs> I'm very happy to do that. Oh, so thank you. So, to be here. Thank you so much. No, no. I mean, reading, you have an absolutely stellar bio, but obviously that is a, a formal bio kind of craft, drafted and crafted. Um, so it'd be really nice to hear in your own words, a bit more with a bit more of a personal touch um, about yourself, what your current work roles are, what leadership positions you currently hold or have held in the past, et cetera, please. Oh, that's fantastic. And I think that your, you know, bio said it a lot. And, and, you know, I'll just provide some narrative to it too, which is essentially, um, you know, I, I went to the only military medical school that um, the U.S. has, and it's mostly because it's very residency specific. And, you know, I, I first saw it because I was in um, as a Florida resident and the schools didn't resonate with me, but this new interesting thing that was hurt, um, the Kaplan said was like the um, medicine's best kept secret. I thought, well, well I want to go there. Um, and my dad was in the army. So, um, you know, yeah. it's in, it was in Bethesda, Maryland, which was just North of DC. And it felt so, you know, exotic and elaborate. And, and, you know, I really, um, you know, was, was drawn to the mission. And of course this was before September 11th. Um, so w- before the military changed. Um, yeah. but so I found myself sort of getting kind of caught up in all the things going on. So I went to the military mm-hmm. medical school 
And, you know, in between the summer of my first and second year, uh, I spent uh, two weeks um, down at Cent- uh, Central Command, which en- ended up being like the uh, area where a lot of plans were going for the future wars that we didn't know about yet. And wow. uh, I ended up doing rotations at Walter Reed Army Medical Center in D.C., and, you know, being there as part of, you know, the war injury effort um, mm. and you know, of all the wars in, in Afghanistan and Iraq and, and all that, that came about. And so, mm. I, you know, being witness to all these things, which, you know, of course, when you're in there and, and around people that are doing all the same things didn't feel particularly mm. special or unique. Uh, of course, mm. now we know that obviously it was. And, you know. At that time, I got involved in research and, you know, provided a lot of papers about the research efforts and things like that, too. Mm -hmm. But um, and after finishing residency at Walter Reed, um, ended up staying on a staff up there. Uh, Mm -hmm. I deployed to Afghanistan and Iraq um, a total of three times. And, you know, all those things were so interesting and unique. But, you know, everybody was doing it. It didn't feel particularly unique at the Mm -hmm. time. Um, And, you know. Also, opportunistically, you know, I was there in the D.C. area and we had a very um, active American College of Surgeons chapter and Mm -hmm. we had a lot of residency leaders that were there. And, you know, I I was just really part of a a group of unbelievably amazing people that Mm -hmm. I got to learn from, you know, like my residency program director, Colonel Shriver, um, who was, you know, very well known in the military uh, for all the work that he's done in leadership and, and mm. um, you know, holding high standards. And uh, I became involved with the American College of Surgeons to mm. where, you know, all the people around there too, that are you know still around, uh, Jonathan Dort, program director for Innova Fairfax, and, um, you know, Pat Jackson, whose, you know, wife is now a Supreme Court justice. And, um, you know, all these people are just fantastic to learn from. And, mm. you know, just realizing that these top leaders that we have are just people like us, you know, it was both, you know, reassuring and, um, and also just, they were so open and helpful to learn some of these lessons too. So that mm. was, you know, I think where a lot of my um, empowerment came from uh, is, yeah. is the people that I interacted with. Uh, so after in the military though, you know, deploying every other year, it was also pretty hard in the family. Um, I've got, you know, a husband and two, uh, two daughters and it was mm. deploying was hard. So the only mm. reason really, um, that I left the military was that that was just a lot, um, mm. for me. So, you know, um, I created the Boss Business of Surgery series, interestingly enough, in 2015, um, as part of Mm -hmm. my contribution to the D.C. chapter, the American Call to Surgeons, because Mm -hmm. we needed to increase uh, membership. And I said, you you know, you can't like expect people to pay and show up if we don't have something to offer. So I did things like. You know, I helped with our review course. I've been longstanding. I introduced the oral boards um, uh, training for our residents to to really help them. You know, coaching them along with the oral boards, and then I created the series, the the boss business of surgery series. I, I liked how kind of you know how what it stood for. I liked mm. that it really taught the things that I needed to know. And I figured if I need to know them, other people did. And that's mm. how that came about. But, you know, we were just talking about, you know, imposter syndrome too, but I, it, there was of course the, who am I to do this? And, mm. you know, I created a website at the time and did this and it was in person. And, you know, like when you're the leader of something and when you're at the tip of the sphere, you know, you look around and you don't see anyone doing the same thing. It is so easy to get discouraged and stop. So it, it took a back seat. Um, I went on my third deployment and I started doing all the things that led me to getting out of the military. And I became employed surgeon because that's what I was told we would do. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, had a good practice. 
I mean, it was, it was good and, but it wasn't great. And mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. was a part where I kind of said like, I mean, is this my life? It's, it's just, yeah. I feel like there's more and yeah. that desire for more is actually what led me to, um, you know, why not during a pandemic create my own private practice? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a contract just happened to be up at that time. And yeah. I had discovered coaching and, you know, really that as I think the mindset piece was what really um, set me free. Of that, I think what I now recognized was, you know, the imposter syndrome of like, who am I to do this? Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for for sharing this. There's so much to to. I could spend the whole episode just talking about, you know, picking through the 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 facts you've given me in that that introduction. I mean, it's it's it it's really nice to hear that you. It sounds like you had such a positive experience during your your training with the military, and I mean, you know the the things that you were sort of privy to, you know, central command, and it sounds very exciting. It sounds very kind of movie, movie, like, uh, you know, like normal doctors like us are like, Oh my gosh, that's, that's, uh, that, that's super interesting. Um, well, and... let me put that perspective in, in reality. Though. <laughs> no, okay. don't let's keep it a fantasy for the listeners. <laughs> oh no. I mean, th- this, this is where like, you know, people ask you like, what's medicine like, is it like Grey's anatomy, like all dramatic? And I was like, nah, it's more like scrubs. And, and this is my scrubs piece of this too, is that, you know, down there, they had already gone the desert, you know, uh, BDUs or like they were all wearing the desert, the tan stuff. And I'm here in my yeah. like forest green BDUs as a second Lieutenant, which is like the lowest yeah. form yeah. here too. And I'm like walking around these halls. I'm sure security was called multiple times of who is this person where the majors <laughs> get coffee here? You know, who is like the lowest person around wandering the halls? But anyway, that's my, uh, you know, comedy portion of that. <laughs> But I mean, also, you know, being, uh, you know, this, this, this whole um, series of, of podcasts is, is around women um, and the, the great things they do. And so it's, it's nice to hear that as a, a female in the military, you had a good experience and that there were lots of male leaders that kind of, you know, took you under their wing and, and kind of, and, and helped you, gave you a, um, a leg up and inspired you and, and, and so on. So that's, that's really nice to hear. But then, um, you know, the, the business of surgery series this is why you know this is really impressive and this is why i i, I introduce you as a, a thought leader you know I, I, as far as i know there isn't anyone else who's kind of you know kind of tackling the, it's a real gap in the market that you've you've filled that is like yeah so it's you know it's like i always say at, at about medical school we don't get taught leadership we don't get taught how to teach medical students yet on day one on the job you're expected to teach medical students you don't get taught how to even behave in a, in a meeting, let alone chair meetings, you know, you don't get taught any business skills, which we all, we all need, you know, so there are all these things. And so you, you're looking at that from a residency point of view thinking, Oh my gosh, I don't know the A, B, C, D, E, you know, I need to find it out. And then I need to teach everyone else about it. And and I, I just, I absolutely love that. So um, yeah, thank you so much for, for sharing that. Um, so yeah. So just coming on, on to uh, leadership um, uh, a bit more now. So what's your, personal leadership style would you say i mean i think that's a great question um and you know as i explore like what is my leadership style um i have a different one i think than a lot of people and mostly it's it's i'm discovering that a strength that i have is discovering the strengths in other people that they're not seeing 
Um, mm, and so yeah. a lot of my leadership is very personal and the fact of, you know, recognizing the limiting thoughts that get in our way. And, mm. you know, I didn't have this, this language before becoming a coach. I didn't realize yeah. that we're all like walking around with our limiting thoughts, but I mean, that's exactly what it is. Um, you know, yeah. and I see this, especially with um, the difference between medical students and physician's assistant students. I teach them both yeah. and you know, the physician's assistants are, you know, kind of taught as they go along, like you got to be ready for the job. You've got to be ready for all this. And they come mm. in and they're ready to work. Whereas medical students are a little bit like, well, you're just students and you're just learning. And, you know, I find that their approach to, um, to work is a lot different. And I'm finding that, uh, you know, that the disempowering message that we have in a lot of the, our, especially medical students is harmful. And I, yeah. you know, I remind both of them that, you know, you guys finished college, you know, we finished high school even, which is above, you know, what some people are able to accomplish yeah. and then finished um, college. And then you got yeah. into, you know, either the master's program as a physician's assistant or medical school. And that's like, you know, yeah. you are a highly qualified person and yeah. you immediately see the change in them of, they don't see themselves. And so I think that my leadership style is seeing the, what someone doesn't see themselves and showing it to them and, you know, having such a strong belief in them that in, I believe it until they can. Um, and so I think yeah. that that's one way that I've found um, that I've been able to kind of help other people around me. Yeah. Yep. I love that. I love that. I mean, obviously you are a, uh, a coach and, um, and an educator um, and, you know, one of Daniel Goleman's leadership styles is the coaching leader. Um, and it sounds like you do, a lot a lot of that um and there's that there's that aspect to your to your leadership style um but you also you you're just kind of like reframing things for people and then building their confidence on the grounds that yeah it's like you know when 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 medical students are i'm just a medical student it's like no you're not you're not just anything right as you as you've just said you've jumped through all these hoops you've got through high school you know you've got your college degree you've got into medical school, you've been through that agonizing application process where you've been weeded out of, you know, you're one of 50 people who's been given that place or, or something like that. You know, you are an incredible person and, and you're, you're kind of like putting that, that belief, uh, giving them that self-belief. So that's, that's wonderful. I really like that. Thank you. Um, a very kind of, you know, positive boosting, building up kind of promoting kind of leadership style. Yes. Lovely. It's it's so fun as a leader to watch that too, because like once mm. you like empower someone and then yeah. they start believing in themselves, then they start doing incredibly remarkable things. Yeah. And, you know, watching that and watching that shift in them is, is probably, I think the greatest joys that, that yeah. I've had. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's lovely to hear. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so it, in terms of your, your leadership roles, obviously you're an attending that in itself uh, is a, is a, a large leadership role. You know, you lead your own private clinic, you know, you lead your team in the OR and in, in, in clinic and so on. Um, you know, you're a founder, you're a CEO, um, you're a podcaster, you know, so you kind of, you know, you are sharing your learnings and leading um, through, through the medium of, of podcasts. Um, and obviously you have the whole, business of surgery series which is a coaching program as well so i think you've you've explained to us uh how you know the business of surgery series came about and came out you know of your of your residency 
program and then you kind of like retrospectively thinking oh what were the deficiencies in that and and things that i i didn't learn so um i i understand how um that kind of leadership role came about and and um obviously you're a you know you are a thought leader you you, you know you're you're leading the field in this in this area i i think um but can you tell us a little bit more about how you uh your private clinic founding came about and how the the podcast came about and how the sort of leadership within that came about yeah, I think that's a great question. So, you know, I had discovered coaching first, you know, with with different podcasts about, you know, um, mind work. Uh, most uh, remarkably, Katrina Ubell's, you know, Weight Loss for the Busy Physician, which is the first time I heard, you know, thoughts leading to your emotions, which is how you're getting your act, you know, you act and, and get your results. Um, and then that led me to Brooke Castillo, who really, you know, kind of forged those ideas of, you know, thoughts leading to emotions and actions. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's how we're getting our results. So I started really questioning a lot of my limiting thoughts. And, you know, the I think some of the main limiting thoughts that I had um, for both the practice and the boss series, which is, you know, who am I to do this? You know, the very unoriginal imposter syndrome. But um, the other limiting thought was, uh, you know, this idea of well, opportunistically, my my contract was up for the employed um, employed job. And I just remember thinking, like, is this all there is? And I can point to a question, you know, that that started it all that the question that started it all is like, what am I tolerating? And yeah. You know, when I started answering that, you know, you automatically just stop tolerating it. Like, why am I? And yeah. I started to realize, you know, that uh, my feelings of being trapped in this job were, um, you know, they were small, but they were there. And yeah. so then I was, you know, went along questioning. It's like, how else do I feel trapped? Well, you know, money yeah. is a trap, and yeah. you know, this this idea of other people's expectations is a trap. Um, and I started really questioning why I was doing things. And when I started questioning myself at why I was doing things, I started finding the answers. And I think that was the main thing is I started asking myself the right questions. So with the practice, um, when I asked myself the questions of what I was tolerating and, and what did I want, and I wanted to call the shots, I wanted to have the environment where I was supported. And I wanted to have, you know, something that was mine. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, and I've had podcast episodes on here um, with other people who've discovered the same of, yeah. you know, creating this private practice. So you can create the culture that you want. Um, yeah. And, you know, it comes with a fair amount of other opportunities for mind work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> of which I've most recently talked about things like overworking and how we use these metrics against ourselves. Yeah. So all these things I'm learning over time by asking myself questions and answering them. Um, And that was what led me to creating the vehicle of the Boss Business of Surgery series, where is, you know, again, this idea that when I figure this out, I can, you know, answer my own questions and amplify the message and help other people. So there um, it becomes, you know, a very service oriented, um, you know, mission. And that is very easy to sustain, like the ability to help other people and, you know, to help them get out of their way and then see them achieve for themselves is basically what I was doing on a small scale with students and expanding yeah. it onto a bigger scale. And um, and this is the, I think the power of these social platforms is that we can, you know, start sharing the lessons that we're learning and offering, you know, high quality thoughts and good yeah. questions to other people that they can help answer. And then 
then, you know, they come on to the show and they, I learn from them too. I mean, yeah. like when I listen back to these episodes, which I edit myself and I, I was like, wow, I mean, like all so many people like truly remarkable. And, and I'll tell you that some of the more remarkable episodes that I've recorded have started off with, what, what do you want me for? I mean, what, what who am I to say all this, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not unique. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, Gosh, thank you. That's that's great. Thank you for, for explaining how you kind of got got into those roles and kind of what made you decide to create them. And I, th- I think you said earlier as well about um, you know when you um, become an attending and you were like, oh well, you know this is this is okay. You know it's 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 fine. But you know there's there's more to life. There's got to be more to life, right? And uh, and I I'm sure this is something that you hear from your coaches as well. But there are so many uh because you know physicians you know because of the the length of time it takes us to get to to our you know ultimate destination and you know are we even at our ultimate destination you know but but that's that's another kind of your philosophical question um you know we're very very good at deferring gratification aren't we it's like okay we're going through a, a hard time at high school but you know once we get to college it'll, it'll be worth it you know and then we'll be happy and then it's like oh gosh we've got college you've got to get those college degree exams and everything and then we'll get into medical school and it'll all be worth it and and so on and and i've i've had you know several um physician clients who've sort of said you know and i thought that once i got into residency i'd be happy and then once i got to fellowship i'd be happy and then when i became an attending i'd be happy and actually it's quite anticlimactic and i'm you know i'm not happy <laughs> That's something you've 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 felt or that you've you've coached people oh, through as totally. well. Mm. And you know, it, it's a constant battle too, because you you don't realize that you're operating under the like, well, I'm not good enough for this. You know, like I was part of you know Walter Reed, and I created our our database where we explored war injured. You know, wrote some of the landmark papers on mm. you know colon injuries and things like that too. And all along the way, I'm like, who am I to do this? I'm just a resident. And then I went on my first deployment. I was like, okay, so I will be a better wartime researcher after my first deployment. And after my first deployment, I'm like, but what about these other people have done five? I mean, who am I to say, you know, like you just realize that that message is within us all the time. You know, there's always going to be someone who is better and it's, it's recognizing that, you know, of course I'm going to have that. And, you know, you always have to remind yourself what your accomplishments are, what your strengths are, what your values are. So you can, you know, lead your own life and stop trying to outpace somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I, I love that. Um, that's great. So um, I think you mentioned um, a few of your sort of senior officers um, at your, um, at your military medical school who were, you know, who supported you and, and, uh, and inspired you. Um so are there any, you know, kind of people in particular that that really stand out that you'd like to mention that, you know, physicians or non-physicians, male or female, that that helped you rise? Oh, I think it's such a great question. And I've thought of actually several. Um, I think, you know, probably many interwoven in a lot of my experiences are the people that said the hard things, you know, like that I'm sure were difficult for them to say, but, um, you know, really helped me because I remember I was in grad school for a little while and, um, and she said, you know, sort of offhandly, like, wait, you're pretty flippant about presentations. And I'm like, am I? Oh, man. <laughs> you know, and so it was it was hard for me to hear. Um, mm. But and, you know, of course, like you, you want to kill the messenger a little bit, but then you realize, oh, I, I mean, I guess 
I really did need to, to try a little harder. So that was one message that stood out for me. Um, You know, Colonel Shriver, I mentioned was my program director and, you know, he had such a, like he was such a powerhouse as far as, you know, making sure that we lived up to really high standards, but, Mm -hmm. you know, was also sort of open and accepting too. So he showed me that you could have high standards and, you know, still be kind and still be open um, yeah. that, you know, being kind does not mean you have to to sacrifice, you know, yeah. the exceptional quality. Um, and, yeah. you know, I don't feel like, you know, he ever really made me feel bad. Um, I felt like he, you know, was very, um, you know, like he believed in, in us. And as a result of that, you know, he believed that we could be, become the hardest. So he held us to high standards. And yeah. what happened is, is that we up- upheld that. And then we benefited from the reputation of all the people that preceded us, which then mm. gave us a directive to, you know, really live up to that standard and, and have other people live up to that too, because recognizing the exponential effect of having high standards is really helpful. Mm. Um, you know, he didn't make me feel less than for being um, a female, uh, mm. you know, surgery resident. And I think that was probably the the biggest lesson too, is that, you know, Mm. he, I did not feel that there was um, a difference. I felt like he helped, he held me to those same standards and he supported me along the way. Um, You know, in, he, I probably believed in me more than I did myself at the time, which I see Mm. now, you know, I, I, it was very helpful. Um, I see very many, you know, women surgeons that helped me along the way. Um, Mm. Benefit of being in the DC area was, um, I participated in the Association of Women Surgeons, and two in particular, um, Dr. Mary Maniscalco Theberg and um, Dr. AJ Copeland, uh, both were so phenomenal in their example. So mm. they were um, they were both open and welcoming. But in conferences, they had no problems raising their hand and asking questions. You know, they came to the table, expected to be at the table, and they didn't make an any kind of event that they were at the table. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. So they led by this effortless example. And they would look at everyone like from medical students to residents of saying, you know, you're here too. So that's probably like where I learned a lot of my lesson of, you know, like you're you're equal and important at every level. Um mm. You know, that you don't actually have to worry about where you're at. You're right where you're supposed to be at. And, you know, I think that that message is really helpful of of recognizing like how they made me feel when they were, you know, I found like I thought they were, you know, pretty big in their because um, they were both, you know, presidents of the um, Association of Women Surgeons, you know, and then Dr. Copeland went on to, to become the national president of the Association of Women Surgeons. And she mm. treated people on the, you know, at that level, the same as the medical students, you know, she Mm -hmm. had equal respect for all of us. Um, And so that belief in me made me feel great and made me want to work harder. And that was a great lesson in in how to empower other people is seeing their strengths and, Mm -hmm. you know, not seeing the levels, uh, but seeing who they were and meeting them where they were at and expecting Mm -hmm. them to, you know, I guess I shouldn't say expectation, but, but seeing who they could be, um, yeah, and helping them get there. Yeah, well, they 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 all sound like great examples of uh, inclusive leaders. Um, and uh, I mean, you know, uh, you know, I, I I think you're what you're doing is fantastic. You know, on a personal level, I think you're you're an absolutely wonderful person, and I think that really has rubbed off on on you, hasn't it? You know, and that's that's the you know kind of modeling as well, isn't it? Role modeling and kind of you know looking at how in, in a good way. 
you know it's not it's nice to see um really great examples of of leadership and to be able to model that and you know kind of you know kind of replicate it and feel uh that you are being a good leader um obviously so many times it goes the other way around you know we kind of see bad leaders and we think that's how we we have to behave sort of thing so it's really nice to hear that anyway talking of which i took a a, a slightly dark deviation there um so i'm gonna i'm just gonna come off the the uh that the happy uh joyful conversation we've had um temporarily and just i just ask have you had any any challenges um you know in, in your career that you're sort of happy to to talk about um and you know lessons that that the listeners can learn and how did you cope cope with and move past you know, some of these uh, difficult times? Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great question. And, you know, I was so fortunate to have the people that I had in my path at the time that I did, because mm. by the time that I really started seeing gender bias, um, and mm. I mean, really, really started seeing it was, um, you know, as a chief resident, uh, we have at the end of the year, these videos where they kind of show these things. And, you know, mm. I had done a lot of things and and worked really hard and tried to empower others. And, you know, if I liked who I was, you know, mm. but then in that video, it's so interesting to see how people portray you. You know, I was mm. there with like three other male residents. Um, and, you know, I guess I'd felt it along the way. Um, but in that moment, you know, when you, you see someone's opinion of you reflected back, um, you know, it's kind of like a, I was the the outsider and and things like that too. And I wasn't really a party of, of this. And, you know, my achievements by that point were basically been made, made fun of. Um, and, you know, and, and these, these guys, which, you know, they highlighted a lot of their goofing off and things like that too. And then that, um, the, the way that that made me feel was, I think it was the first time I was like, Oh, this is a little bit different. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm being treated differently and I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think I like this, yeah. um, you know, because now this doesn't feel like, you know, empowerment and it doesn't feel like merit-based, you know, leadership. Yeah. It feels, you know, different. So yeah. I mean, and then um as I went out into the military and interacted, you know, beyond the the supportive um and excellent leadership that I had, you know, I experienced mm. bad leaders, you know. Mm. Uh, my first appointment was a I felt was a toxic leader. And mm. it was, you know, I could see I could see 360 a little bit better than I did back then. But mm. it was sort of like a, you know, when you feel like you have to kind of come in um, as the underdog and it doesn't matter what you do, you're never going to be good enough. Like mm. those were all the things that were a little bit harder to see. Um, mm. But I did have messages all along, um, you know, cause I did know as a female surgeon, especially in the area I was at that I would stand out and uh, Connie Mariano, who was um, one of the white house physicians, she was in the military reached a, uh, you know, very high standing. Um, she said, you know, as, as a female, you're going to stand out. So you need to be mm. outstanding. And that's, you know, probably mm. where that came from. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's really interesting. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's good advice. It just, uh, it's probably quite a lot of pressure to sort of put on yourself, isn't it then to, um, you know, that you have to, you, you have to be so much better than the the men to just, be their equal if that make, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, actually um, I can I can see where that message would seem like pressure. Um yeah. but what it said to me was, you know, as a girl, there's this thought, oh, I'm I'm going to stand out. Oh no. You know, I'm out yeah. there. Everyone's everyone's yeah. noticing me. Yeah. Um and she spun it in a way that was like, well yeah. Yeah, you're going to stand out. You know, see so 
it's kind of almost like you might as well be outstanding. Em- em- embrace it sort of thing. Just Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I think that really embrace the difference and yeah. not as a problem. I think that's probably, yeah. you know, that was the message that I took away from it was not from pressure. It was a, you are different and that's yeah. okay. And, yeah. you know, you haven't, and I think I, I took it more as an opportunity yeah. to stand out and an opportunity to make use of that. Um, yeah. But there were certainly a lot of times where I felt like I wasn't treated fairly, yeah. but I think how we take that and how we act on it really makes all the difference. Yeah. I love the way you framed, you framed that and you kind of see, you seem, you know, you, as you say, you, you moved into a phase where it was relatively disempowered compared to the slightly more supported environment you've been in before. Um, but it sounds like you kind of, you know, reframed that and turned it around so that you, you were kind of having to empower yourself in a way. Is that, is that right? Yeah. And I think, you know, I I think it's boiling down to the facts. The facts are as a girl, I'm going to stand out more than a guy, you know, gender bias, you know, the seeing differences is a fact and recognizing that I have a choice of, of how I want to deal with that. Yeah. And you know, I like how, and that's probably where it was, is that she gave us the choice of saying, okay, you, you stand out. What are you going to do with it? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it was, it was almost like an invitation to yeah. be outstanding rather than a directive, if that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. I think a lot of it really just depends is what do you take with these facts? You know, these facts are in front of you. You look yeah. different. What are you going to do about it? Um, yeah. And I think that makes all the difference because it's recognizing that we have the ability to influence those around us. Mm. If I walked around like a victim because people were treating me differently, then mm. I'm going to interact with them in ways that do not empower me. You know, yeah. if, um, and I can't remember who said it, but this was a great phrase. You know, they say uh, haters are confused supporters. So, <laughs> you know, kind of like, <laughs> isn't that hilarious? So if you take someone who you're getting, you know, a message from that you don't like, you can look at them and say, you are just confused. You do not know how to support me. Let me help you. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's really, really, really good. Um, So, so to the opportunity to stand out then as a female um, was then your, um, your gender became your your strength, your superpower kind of thing today? Totally. I mean, I yeah. look back and I think that I had many more examples for, um, you know, for standing out that helped me than hurt mm. me, you know, and mm. I think a lot of it had to do with, you know, just embracing the idea of being different and, yeah. you know, it, it certainly helped me a lot more yeah. um, than it hurt. That's, that's a really good, good lesson. Um, you know, cause this is the, this is the problem with you know um a lot of people who are who are disenfranchised and they they feel disenfranchised um but if they that they maybe owned or embraced that aspect of themselves that makes them different then they could stand out in a really good way perhaps i know every, you know everyone's circumstances are different but you know that that may be the case sometimes um you said that um and i don't don't uh, to uh, to to delve into this in too much detail, you know, because of, uh, you know, confidentiality and things like this, but you, you were on the receiving end of some toxic leadership in, um, Mm -hmm. in one of your, um, one of your overseas deployments. Um, 
how did you personally cope with that and move and move past it or kind of you know deal with it reason with it how did you how did you get through that time lots of internal complaining (laughs) (laughs) before you were a coach right so you know you weren't you didn't have those skills then (laughs) Yeah, you know, I, I think I look back at, um, you know, like I said, I, I look back and, and choose like a whole bunch of different pathways than I could. But, you know, I, I felt like, you know, everyone would see it. I think this was the the trap that I had is that I felt like I was being treated this way. Everyone would see it. So all I had to do was bring it to somebody's attention. And, you know, what happened is, is that, you know, I shared some of the things that were going on. <clears throat> and then you start to realize just how, like, how interpersonal stuff can be or um, muddy because, Mm. you know, if you do like the, he said, she said type thing, then the thing is, is like, nobody wants to get involved in that. Like there's no win situations for all that too. You know, when you you do like the victim villain, us against them, things like that, you know, people see this and like, okay, we want to watch from afar and enjoy whatever drama, but I do not want to be any part of this. (laughs) (laughs) Or they want to dive in and be the rescuer in the drama triangle. And then all the roles start to kind of like move around and, Yes, but then it's you really have to decide who they're going to rescue because <laughs> yeah, well, we don't always see those things, you know. That's um, that's true. Like, and you should realize what do you have to offer the person? Yeah. Like, you know, like the person in your leadership position. Like, if there is someone, and this is why it's so hard if someone is in a leadership position over you, mm. and that person above them wants, you know, like they get more from that leader than they do from mm. you. You know, yeah. you have to understand that you actually may not be in a position to where it's wise for them to support you, you know? And so not everyone sees the problem that you see. And I think that's what I learned is that not everyone saw the problem that I thought was readily apparent, um, which is, you know, kind of led me to the idea like, well, I tried this, this didn't work. You know, how can I do Mm. this differently next time? Mm. Um, And I think that's where I learned, um, you know, that there has to be a better way of interacting and getting what you want. And, you know, of Mm. course, obviously these are lessons that I embodied with the idea of, you know, the negotiation skills and, you know, dealing with um, difficult partners. And, you know, I'll give you a spoiler alert on, on the difficult partner. The more you delve into this, you realize that, that we too are the difficult partner (laughs) in these interactions. Yeah. You know, is recognizing that if we fall into these victim villain traps, we actually become a difficult partner too. Yeah, very true. Very true. That's very sage advice. Thank you for that. Um, so love all that. That's um, excellent advice around kind of navigating your way through some of these uh, workplace challenges. Um, I mean, you know, we t- we talked about uh, kindness. I mean, you mentioned that uh, one of your uh, your program director, I think, kind of like really, um, you know, brought kind of kindness into um, his leadership style, and and you know, felt it was uh, you know something that was you know it's not something that should be ignored, which you know is you know uh, I think certain certain times certain generations certain eras you know that kindness in leadership is not necessarily something that would would have been embraced right um so i i and i think that you know that's that's definitely rubbed off on you so you're a you're a strong kind leader do you have any any other advice for our listeners on how to you know become strong and become kind in in their leadership i i think that we have really benefited a lot from Brene brown's work of you know vulnerability being a strength and, yeah. you know, what, what I like to do is let people know who they are, what their original or what their actual strengths are, which 
I mean, the problem is, is they're walking around thinking their weaknesses and all too. And so like you may look as, you know, as a surgeon and thinking kindness is a weakness. And I think a lot of us in our career, you know, embrace the stereotypical surgeon of being harsh and things like that. um, And thinking that that's the way we, we have to get there. And I, I think recognizing um, our other surgeon colleagues are also operating under this assumption too, except yeah. you know, they take this thing that culture has offered us and we turn this into like, well, I just have to be stern and short and things like that yeah. too. And yeah. along the way, you know, kind of picking up this fact of you actually don't have to be that way. You, mm. you know, kindness is a strength and openness yeah. is a strength. And, you know, you can use this kindness, you know, backed by certainty, you know, like backed by who you are and, mm. you know, really fortifying yourself of who you are and therefore no one could hurt you. I mean, yeah. I, I take this actually back to a, a Game of Thrones uh, quote um, of Tyrion Lannister. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I, um, I am. Well, maybe yes, not the quote, and, but I'm very familiar with the show and Tyrion. I love Tyrion. Yeah. Yes. And you may, uh, you may have heard this if you look back at it too, but, um, and I, I took this quote, I was like, that's it. He said, um, he was talking to another bastard and he said, you know, like never forget that you're a bastard. The world won't. He said, you take this and you turn it in armor and no one can use it against you. And so, you know, he, his strength was actually like taking this thing and, you know, wearing as an armor and say, what do you got now? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If that's, if that's the worst thing you can insult me with, then yeah, I'm already immune to that. Yeah. 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 It's like, I don't think it's, I mean, you can think it's a problem, but I don't think it's a problem and we're all fine. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, are you are you are you saying that some some people, um, yeah, ra- are seeing kindness potentially as a weakness rather than a strength? And so, yeah. for those people, can we influence them and persuade them to kind of and for the listeners to kind of turn it around and just really see it as a strength rather than as a weakness? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that it does change too. You know, like if I come along and I say, you know, do you know that as a surgeon, you do not have to be a jerk? Do you know <laughs> that as a surgeon, I can actually hear your questions? And, you know, because I don't actually have, I can still get my way because I tell you what I want and I tell you why I want it. And now you're empowered and I am too. And so, yeah. and, and this interaction went well. Like, because the thing is, is like, when I walk in that room, there is no question in my mind that I'm in charge, you know, Mm. but I don't have to prove it every time by being anything else other than who I am. So like the the level of certainty that I have when I walk in there allows me, you know, to have that room of, I mean, I can be certain in that room and be wrong. You know, I can be Mm. certain and ask for like three things when I really should have like figured out just one, you know, Mm. it's like going in there saying that, you know it's okay for us to um, be commanding and mm. still have thoughts for other people in the room. You know, it's okay for us to be certain and be wrong. Um, yeah. it's, it's really recognizing that a lot of times we're living what feels like dichotomies, which aren't. Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's, that's great. Um, so, so essentially like as the, you know, as the surgeon, in fact, you're the only, so cause you don't have, trainees do you in your in your in your own clinic so we don't have residents just uh, yeah. medical students and PA yeah. students now yeah so you know you you you're the only sort of qualified physician in the room and you're the one who's operating um in you know in in the OR so you have that um confidence um and you're and essentially what you're saying is yeah you don't 
you don't need to kind of uh yeah you obviously you are you're leading it because you're sort of you're dictating how it goes because the operation has to go in a certain way right and you're the lead operator so what what you're saying is well everyone knows that so you don't need to kind of ram it down people's throats that you're the <laughs> that you're the leader right yeah you know i think it take, it goes to you know shame resilience is like how do i avoid feeling shame and how do mm. i help help others avoid feeling shame because i think that's where a lot of these um it is people the stereotypical you know heart surgeons um you know run the risk of you know feeling some shame is mm-hmm. is that we you know operate in these areas where we don't feel great about ourselves and other people don't feel great about us and now they don't feel mm-hmm. great about themselves um yeah. and i think that you know really being stepping back and saying you know, showing other people, it's, I think it's the example that we said, like the students, like, I don't, I don't mind asking a question because I kind of operate on an idea. I think I know what I should know. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, and letting them know it's okay to ask questions that you're not going to look stupid. You know, like yeah. the more you fear asking or looking stupid, you're not going to ask questions and you are going to be stupid. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Um, and being wrong, you know, if the more I can share, like I am okay with myself. So I could say, look, I could have done that better. You know, yeah. that, that didn't go like I wanted yeah. and showing these trainees that we can, we can be wrong and we could make up for it and we could own the story. Um, yeah. And I talk a lot about, you know, complications and things like that and and making mistakes yeah. and it's the shame resilience again from Brene Brown, which is, you know, we, we talk to a, a, a trusted source, you know, we could reach mm-hmm. out to someone, our, our colleagues yeah. and things like that. So talking yeah. to a trusted source and then talking kindly to ourselves. Yeah. which is, um, I think we all need to do better of. And then the yeah. third is, you know, owning the story so you could own the ending. And this is where the bravery comes in is that, mm. you know, really being okay with, you know, things not going well. Um, yeah. just, you know, if we avoid shame, then we avoid isolation. And I think that's the most dangerous thing in medicine that we have is isolation. Mm. Mm. That's really some really great great lessons there thank you thank you so much and and i, and I love how you brought um you know renee brown's teachings into it as well um big uh big fan of hers um sounds like you you very much are um you know in in line with her kind of advice on vulnerability and authenticity that that's that that's what you display um in your in in your professional capacity so thank you um okay so i mean you've just given us loads of of nuggets and gems uh it's like an aladdin's cave um but do you have a sort of a a, a sort of a, a pithy concise surgical uh take home leadership message <laughs> for our listeners yes yeah i mean i think leadership is an inside job you know if i were to kind of like make it as short as possible it's an inside job like you know when we figure ourselves out when we figure out our limiting thoughts um, then we don't become the problem. And I think the majority of the problems that we have is that we're inside our head and we're not able to see the cues from other people. We're not able to help them because we haven't helped ourselves. Yeah. And so that's probably my my biggest take-home point is you've got to fix yeah. your own inner thoughts first. Yeah. Um, and you do that in a constant collaboration with other people. So it's not like yeah. you figure it out and then go out in the world. That's not what I'm saying. Because yeah. what will happen is you'll see a bunch of closed doors. And everyone's like, I'll work on myself before I can interact with others. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, yeah. you know, really, yeah. it's the, you know, having the grace to say, I'm going to figure it out. 
Um, yeah. and, you know, and and really offering these high quality thoughts to ourselves and others. It's like, yeah. I'm going to figure it out. And it's okay that I, I don't know it all. Yeah. Um, you know, I really try to find these empowering thoughts that work along the way. Um, yeah. And those that's actually how that I did the private practice, which was um, I, I gave myself permission for making mistakes. I'll make as few mistakes yeah. as possible was the thought. Um, yeah. And so offering thoughts along the way that help. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It sounds very much like, um, you know, something I, when I do my leadership workshops, I, I kind of talk about six domains and the first domain for me is self-leadership. You know, you, you know, you need to be able to kind of, uh, lead yourself, um, regulate yourself, know yourself and all the other self things like self-care, self-kindness, self-compassion, self-forgiveness. And, and very much, it sounds like you are, um, you know, working on that operating system of self-compassion self-forgiveness yeah i know i know i'm going to make mistakes we make mistakes in the operative mistakes in the or we're going to make mistakes interacting with people you know i'm going to make mistakes setting up my business but you know it's fine i'm going to be you know kind to myself forgive myself um and you know that's part of the self-leadership um piece that you you're talking about i think as well so um that really resonates with me so thank thank you um Okay, so what are you currently excited to be working on that you'd like to share with the listeners? Oh, yeah, that's actually, um, I do say I have something coming out in the next few months. Um, I've got a book cool. coming out. Oh, so, how exciting. <laughs> exciting. And I yeah. just got the first draft of it the other day. And, you know, so over the last week, I've been kind of looking it over. And it really did, you know, pull a lot of the um, lessons that, you know, I've learned along the way. Um, it's mm-hmm. going to be called um, Become the Boss MD. And it's in five you know, categories, um, mm-hmm. which really are, I thought, encompass the lessons that are not taught in residency. And the first part of, you know, establishing your career, like now you're finishing residency, you know, how do you do the interview and the contract? And, you know, really, how do you start establishing your career? And mm-hmm. so then you get in your career and then how do you start finding your voice? You know, this is against like the difficult partner and then managing you know, yeah. yourself and, and really like doing that. And then, so now... You know, you've got the job and now you're learning to interact. And then now, you know, how do you manage the complications and understanding your outcomes and improving mm-hmm. your outcomes, which then take you to, okay, now you figured out your outcomes. How do you get paid for it? You know, business is the exchange of value for money. Like, how do you make this sustainable? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the fifth part is, you know, protecting your assets, which sound like money, but of course it's your time and your effort um, yeah. and preventing burnout too. So like, those are, I think the five categories of, you know, the lessons that we aren't teaching. Um, this yeah. is the the work that goes beyond the residency. So that book yeah. will be coming out in a few months, um, hopefully before graduations. Cause I think there would be great, you know, gifts for people that are finishing residency, but hopefully it'll also be around for a long time. Cause I think these, these themes are universal. Yeah. That, that is so exciting to hear, to hear that. So, um, so remind us again, what's the title of the book? It's Become the Boss MD. And I'm sure, um, you know, it'll be on my website eventually and stuff too. So, yeah. But published in, in a few months and for people to start looking out for that, roughly when? Um, I would probably imagine maybe around the April, May timeframe. Okay. Um, you know, we do have the, the first draft and, you know, I, I got a, a book coach myself because, you know, I started realizing like I have my own imposter block writer's block with this too so i i found help for that too yeah. so I'm, I'm definitely an advocate for finding the right people to help you get out of your way and yeah. nothing felt better than holding that first draft saying i don't know i don't think i would have done this on my own and it's not any yeah. less that someone helped you know yeah. like i yeah. 
as I read through this, it's like these, this is exactly what I wanted to say. And, and, you know, I would have gotten potentially my way. And this is why it was so important to get it done. Brilliant. That is such that's such fantastic news. Thank you. I'm 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 excited, really excited for you. Yes. And people look out for it and please, please buy Dr. Amy's book. Um so um yeah, just kind of you meant you mentioned your website, but if if any of the listeners would like to reach out to you, and I really hope they they do, I hope they listen to your podcast and because it's it's amazing. And um, you know, and that some of them reach out to you for coaching as well. Um, what's the best way for people to kind of reach you? But the best way to reach me is, is at bosssurgery.com. Um, that'll have the link to the podcast. It has linked to coaching. Mm-hmm. It'll have the information about the book when it comes in. Um, mm-hmm. There's an opportunity to opt in. Um, I do have on there, um, and I encourage people to check it out, the um, How Surgeons Rise, which is you know uh, basically lessons I learned from How Women Rise. Um, mm-hmm. It's the 12 habits that hold um, you know women back at work. And I think that's universal mm-hmm. concept. So I think even you know men would benefit from that as well. Yeah. So bosssurgery.com um, and opting in. And then also um, I have a boss coaching Facebook group um, where, you know, I talk about a lot of these concepts sort of in real mm. time. Yeah. Is that, is that a free group or is that only available it's to people group. who are in your kitchen? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've got a private group for the folks that I, um, that mm. I coach the boss coaching Facebook group is free. You just yeah. have to opt in for that. And of course the, the podcast drops every Monday um, yeah. and the emails um, alert at what the topic is. Um, yeah. Oh, also on the boss surgery.com is a podcast guide. So I've grouped them into things like leadership and clinic. Um, and so it'd be a lot easier mm. to find episodes since we're yeah. you know in the sixties now. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's so organized. Uh, I love that. I aspire to that level of organization. Never going to happen. Never going to happen. But uh, it's a work in progress. <laughs> Constant. And I'm going to join your Facebook group as soon as we finish this call. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> so thank you. So do you have any any closing words that you'd like to share with the listeners before we say goodbye? I mean, I think that the main thing is that, I mean, you don't even know what your limiting thoughts are. And I mean, like we're just people like, I mean, I'm just a person you are, but look at all the things that you're doing. And I mean, I have a feeling that we have not even seen what you're capable of, you know, Dr. Harrison. So I'm excited (laughs) to follow you and see what your, your journey is going to be too. But I think, you know, if we all like start inspiring everybody else to really like reach their fullest potential and help them get out of their way, I mean, what we'll change medicine, you know, we'll change the culture. Like there's no limits to what we could do. And it starts from the microcosm that we are in, you know, we don't have to change the world, but if we change our little microcosm, if we all do that, imagine the exponential effect of the world. So, you know, go inspire yourself and inspire other people. And that's how we change. Beautiful. Beautifully put Dr. Vertries. I really, really love that. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It is, it's, honestly been a real a real honor thanks for sharing all your wisdom and wonderful advice um with us thank you to uh the audience for listening and until the next episode in two weeks i wish you all health happiness and inspiring leadership take care thank you so much for joining me and my guest on the inspiring women leaders podcast today i really hope you enjoyed listening to the episode as much as i enjoyed recording it if you did Please download the show and leave it a rating and a review so that together we can share the amazing lessons we've learned from my guests with listeners far and wide and help as many aspiring leaders as possible. Most of my podcasts will also be uploaded to my YouTube channel, Dr. Adam, Physician Coach, 
So please check out my channel there and hopefully you'll find some videos on similar topics to watch and enjoy. Finally, I have some exciting new group coaching programs and a membership scheme in the pipeline. So please keep a regular eye on my website www.dradamharrison.com That's www.dradamharrison.com for updates. Thank you again for your time today and please join me next time, two weeks from now, on Alternate Wednesdays for another brilliant episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Thank you.